0: everybody doing it's been a while At least it feels like it's been a while i mean you guys know the drill when you do these podcasts sometimes you're doing them you know two three at a time and they drip out slowly over the course of the month uh they're never done live if you're if you were thinking all of these were done live my friends you are mistaken nobody's podcast is done live heck half the webinars these days are not done live but that's a whole different story um no it's been interesting uh i just got back at the time of this recording um, from overseas. at my first overseas travel, I went to England and uh, we were part of the B2B Marketing Expo and the Sales Innovation Expo. And we were the platinum sponsor. This is a legacy of pre-COVID times and in investment. We we do the show every year. Obviously, in uh, 2019, we'd invested for the following year. 2020 didn't happen. So we finally had it in 2021. And it's the first time I've traveled overseas since all this happened. The only other time I traveled And again, I'm in Ottawa, Canada, as I've gone down in June to the Atlanta, Georgia, to the Outbound Conference. So this is my second time traveling since pandemic, and it's the first time overseas. So I got to tell you, it was so nice to be at a live event again and talking to people and friends whom you know so well. And you know them online. They're part of your tribe. You talk to them all the time on LinkedIn. You might have some emails. You might have some Zoom calls. But it's it's just not the same until you do it in person. So that was my exciting part. But what I took away from that whole adventure, believe it or not, um, was something that I almost had forgotten about, which is the power of relationship. And I'm going to get to that in a second. Uh, What what do I mean by that? Um, When you see people, when you connect with people online, on social, you establish a bit of a rapport. They like you or they don't. So if you're doing social selling, if, 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 if social is one of your outreach channels, which by the way, it should be, um, your personality matters and how people, whether people decide they like you or not. Now the same thing is said on email. Your personality can come through on email and on phone and on phone, you're thinking to yourself, well, nobody answers the phone. That's true. They may not answer the phone fully acknowledged it. However, you'll leave them a voicemail. And in that voicemail, they'll pick up your tonality and your spirit and your personality, and they will make a decision on you. I mean, the classic case is it takes what people decide in um, was it seven seconds whether or not they like you, and within twelve seconds and whether they trust you. Want to give you any more time? I mean, I could be messing that up, but those are various stats. The gist is correct. So that's the importance. And what was so amazing when I was over there, which I saw all these people whom I had made connections with since. Since pandemic started, in other words, I've never met them live and in person, and they would come up to me like they were my best friend, and it was so exciting to see. To see and I would get hugs or elbow bumps or fist bumps or handshakes, and yes, I would wash my hands nonstop afterwards and use it as um And it made me wonder why? Why did that happen? Why would they do this? Because we'd never really met in person before, ever. And what became very clear for so many of these people was they thought i was a couple things they thought i was funny they liked my humor that was a that was a bonding moment they liked my content one person said to me i like what you have to say even though sometimes i don't want to hear it because it's harsh and i thought that was the best comment ever because i thought i was more genuine and then the last thing was like my speaking sessions, this is going to sound boastful. It's not meant to sound boastful. It's meant to convey a point. My speaking sessions were full, standing room only. The, the organizers were ooing awing over our sessions. And all that goes back to the reputation and the rapport I was able to establish with so many of these people leading up to that event. That's all it was. It was nothing more. It wasn't that my content was great. My content was not original. Nothing I said was original, nothing. You could Google it and get the exact same thing that I said on stage. That's the honest to God truth. So what about me and what I did allowed me that success, allowed me that ability to establish rapport and friendships. And consequently, you should understand that several of those conversations became active deals in our pipeline as a result. Not because of the trade show booth, not because of what I said on stage, because they are actually finally able to talk to me and, and kind of maybe validate who they thought I was. So that goes back to how you connect with people. That's it. That's my story. That's today's session. And I thought to myself, who do I know who really understands this? Who understands humor? Who understands um, intentionally constructing conversation or storytelling or humor to physically Establish a rapport with a prospect so that you can start building a relationship and start building trust. And of course, I thought to myself, we need a half sales guy, half stand-up comic, all parental disappointment. If you don't know who I'm talking about, let me help you out. It's John Selleck. John, my friend, welcome to the show. Uh, Daryl, thank you for for having me. Not only
1: uh, do I qualify uh, because I know a lot about all that stuff you talked about, I was also available on short notice, <laughs> and and therefore here we are, and I'm grateful for that. <laughs>
0: This is true. He's, he, you know, it's so funny because I had my producer, Daniel, who you hear we talk about all the time, uh, come up to me and he goes, Daryl, okay, you just got back from the UK, but you know what? We're all out of podcasts and we need more. And I'm like, okay, th- what do I want to talk about? And then I'm like, who are the right people? And, and ironically, I had a handful of topics and this being one of them and John was available. So John, there you go. John, but, but I did book like four. You know, meetings in a row. So my producer will, will give me some a little less grief. Uh, so that was great. But yeah, so John's the guy. I love John. Have you guys, have you guys actually met John? John. So John is. I don't want to give your story. I'll John. I'll let you tell the story about what I like about John is he actually doesn't take himself all that seriously. Yet he does take himself seriously. He is a master of his craft, but he understands he is a constantly evolving, you know, practitioner of what he does. And some of the stuff he does will not work. And he understands that and he accepts that, but he he also understands it's the iteration, it's the refinement, like any stand-up comic, that gets you that ultimate success. And then, of course, what you've done, John, that's unique in this industry is you've actually taken this and you've actually applied it to your own business. So why don't we just start with that? Um, Normally, I like to get right into it, but I think you deserve special attention because of what you do. It is so unique. So tell us a little bit about what you do How'd you get in it? And then we'll get into some of the lessons learned and advice you can share with us.
1: I like to just think that I deserve special attention for millions of other reasons other than what I do. But we'll, we'll leave that for another podcast, I suppose. But with that said, uh, a little bit about the backstory. And, and once again, thank you for, for inviting me. It's great. It's great to do this with you. Um, and welcome back to uh, North America, by the way. Thank you. And uh, the one last thing I need to add is that people, they weren't only seeking you for they – they, they weren't also seeking you out in London because of your knowledge and your humor. But they also want to know where to get that awesome smoking jacket. That's uh, – <laughs>
0: It's true. I was wearing this on stage. And so, and I was actually using the term, guys, you want to be successful in life. You got to peacock a little bit. And I was using this jacket and the British audience loved that reference to peacocking. But the reason I do it, honest to God story, John, is because when I wear a jacket, a loud jacket like this on stage and I do public speaking and people hear what you say and they're like, yeah, and they're thinking, but they're, they're, you know, they're in the 14th row in the middle of the aisle and they're not getting out and they're focused and everything else. And then the session ends and I'm gone. So what happens is later on that day, they see me walking around the show and it, what it is, they don't know who the hell I am. They they, I'm, they block me, the ugly freaking Canadian, the pasty white skin and the white hair. But they see the jacket and then they connect it together and they stop and they say, oh, you were on stage and you talked about this. Can you can you help me understand this better? And so the jacket actually leads to more deals in the pipeline. Honest to God truth.
1: So uh, I'm going to segue, I'm going to, I'm going to skip about me and let's just talk about that particular topic. The idea of being different and standing out is really tied <laughs> to what I do, but I just came back from a conference, which you might be familiar with. Um, but it's really the same as every other conference. There's a lot of people there who want to be taken seriously. and As a result, they dress a certain way. And as another result, they dress, they wear what's in fashion. So. You know, 50% of the males at the conference were wearing um, plaid blazers of some kind or plaid suits, patterned, checked blazers and suits. And at that point, you're just you're not really standing out. You're you're one of so many. And to your point, you are standing out. And I have a friend named uh, Richard Bernstein, who is a Salesforce right now. And he is the uh, bow ties. He wears bow ties everywhere he goes. And he wears he wears also kind of peacocky blazers as well and at a conference he stands out and people know him as a result and he's a he's a great networker and people just like him um because cuz he's trying to be different in that that sea of sameness and you know the B2B space everyone wants to be taken seriously everyone wants to be seen as a highly credible and and they don't think about how the way we present ourselves both um from a fashion sense and from a personality sense they've kind of pushed that aside because they want to get that pitch down they want to get that 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 seriousness down that, that they feel they need to convey to customers, prospects, and investors. So kudos to you for uh, for, for for upping the fashion game, upping the personality game, and uh, and making yourself stand out both uh, online
0: and offline. Well, funny story. I was uh, a colleague, an online colleague, a woman named Eden Hansing. Uh, she did a post the other day It was remarkable. Uh, she tagged me on it um, only because she's heard me talk about this very topic about how you present yourself matters, and it's not just what you wear, but it's also your gear. You know, it's do you look good on camera? Are you framed? What's in the background? Are you lit? Do you have a reasonable microphone? And and this is if you're selling. Everything I've just said totally matters, and that's what she's doing. And her point was, she had it was brilliant what she did. She had a before and after picture. And it was like, this is a year ago, me a year ago. It was a close-up of her face. And this is me now. Same woman, same hairstyle. And the difference was, the picture from a year ago was kind of uh, cloudy, if you will. Kind of, you know, uh, low-res. This one was high-res. Uh, she she was a little more done up. Uh, she had some makeup on that she clearly didn't have before. And she had a slightly different attire. But again, you only know, you really see her from the shoulder up. And her point was this. Her point was... People used to tell me that, you know, how you look and, and feel and appear to your audience matters. And I used to blow it off by saying, uh, yeah, whatever. You know, that's that's so old school. We're all hip and happening and casual. This is our vibe. This is our tribe. It's all good. We understand each other. And she goes, but I finally, you know, I've gone out on my own kind of thing. And I've realized that I get so much more traction when I look like a pro. And it was just a before and after. It's all it was. And she tagged me, which was very sweet of her um, because I've said the same thing. and And she got it. And it had such incredible traction on the conversations. And not everybody agrees, but the reality is is that we make judgment decisions very quickly just by based on appearance, first and foremost, followed by what you say out of the gate and how you disarm people or engage people before you ever get to the actual reason why we're having that conversation. How do you teach people to do that, John?
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if we, and that was a hell of a segue, by the way, glad, I'm, I'm glad you, you, you drove it back to the original point of the conversation, which I detracted us from. Um, in short, comedians have this ability to be relevant and f- credible and trigger emotional reactions within, you know, that 12 second span, which you highlighted earlier. So if we break down an opening joke of a stand comedian set, especially if you don't know them. Um, because the vast majority of comedians on the planet we've never heard of. We've never seen if we're at a live, if we're at a club or, you know, Netflix specials, we're tuning in because we know who they are and their audience has already bought into them. So they have the liberty of starting their set off with a minute story, a minute long story. But if you're a comedian that comes on stage and no one knows who you are, they have to make you laugh like in 12 seconds. Uh, Otherwise, their faces will light up but not because you made them laugh, it's because they're on their phones. So we have about. <laughs> by the way, that I, want, I want to highlight something to everybody who ever goes to watch stand up comedy. When we are on stage and you are on your phone, we see that blue light on your face. That means you're bored, that means you're disengaged. And we die a little bit inside, even more than some of us already have, um, which is why so many people do stand up comedy in the first place. That said, you have about six seconds to say to the audience something of relevance that matters to them. And then you have another six seconds to, to get them to laugh, uh, an emotional reaction. Um, and so if we can be relevant and credible within those short periods of time, whether it's uh, over a cold call, whether it's on LinkedIn in a, in a message, whether it's in an email, we have a much better chance to get our, our audience to respond to us, it doesn't have to be a big laugh, but as long as it's, I'm gonna keep reading more, I'm gonna keep listening more, or I'm gonna smile, uh, or I'm gonna engage, that's really what we're looking for. Um, so,
0: yeah. It's, it's funny as you say that, because I hadn't thought about it that way until you said it, and then I'm, I'm thinking back to all the up comics I've watched, and I, I'm, I'm not seeing anybody's line because like, of course I can't remember one on the fly, but if I had to paraphrase something I see on a regular basis, it would go something like this, Hey there, folks. My name's Daryl. I'm, uh, recently got married. Uh, that's right. She's got two kids. And, uh, so right away, stop there. What do they do? They just establish who they are and why you can write to them. I've been married. I've got two kids or I have got into married into a fa- family that was pre-existing. So that's like six seconds to who are you to your point. And then it's usually followed by a great one-liner and, you know, I've gone from being a flashing hippie happening bachelor to being told what underwear to match with what socks, thanks to my wife or whatever. That was a bad joke. You get the idea, but it's a punchline that they use. That's that it's exactly the formula you just described, kind of six and six establish who you are, establish a point of reference to connect and then make them laugh. And that's the formula. Uh, That's brilliant. So that's exactly what you're doing. That's hilarious. That's you, you nailed it. That's the formula. It is. And just to be
1: clear, Comedians don't have punchlines every twelve seconds.
0: Yes, um, but, but, it, it's a fair but no. But it was the opening. You're you're engaged, You're you're intentionally starting a conversation to engage. That's whether it's twelve seconds or more. Does and that's probably secondary. But you're intentionally engaging them.
1: Well, no, actually, I, I like to think that in stand-up it's very healthy to have a couple of quick, short jokes to open up your set. Because if the crowd is on board, they're gonna trust you when you start to go into some stuff that isn't quite a short form. So the moment you start to tell them a story, they're listening, they trust you, they like you, you're relevant, you're credible to them. And uh, if we look at attention spans over the last 10 years, since we all have about four devices in our faces all the times, people's attention spans have really shrunk. Their focused attention span is now like eight seconds. And so, if something doesn't grab our attention within those those eight seconds, we're we're drifting away, and we're we're deleting the email. We're 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 looking at our cell phone as the prospect is um, pitching us. Um, And so, we have to kind of be relevant right away. We have to demonstrate that relevance through words, phrasing, um, empathy for the audience, and then we can if we can um, what I call subvert those expectations and get them to laugh and trigger them. Uh, we're going to get that conversation going.
0: So some of what you're alluding to, I I have generically many, many times referred to that as personalization, right? In other words, why does it matter to them? Um, so they'll continue to read this. And even in some of the, like the one presentations I gave in the UK was, you know, about uh, stop sending shitty sales emails. And, you know, we have went through different, we talked about why your emails are awful, whether that's your subject line or your, or your format on your body talked about different formats. You know, we used the Josh Brown example as one of five examples, the TTTT, the first one being trigger. Hey, Daryl, I see you're hiring some new sales reps. You know, oh, my gosh, how did you know that? And so you've triggered me. You've got my attention because um, it was personalized. But you're much more specific. I'm being a little general on that. So what advice can you give our reps to achieve that connection, you know, fairly quickly, whether they're using email or phone? or social, you know, any advice you can give is that they can test out and see if it improves their response rate.
1: So I'm going to disappoint everybody. This isn't going to be like, you know, super secret sauce. This is just what I view as common sense. And it's kind of the intersection again between sales and, and standup. Um, you know, if we want to be relevant to our audience, we have to understand who they are. So if I'm performing in a comedy club and everyone in the audience kind of has hair that's much greater than Daryl's, um, maybe it's best I don't tell a bunch of jokes about TikTok or using, you know, slang that's you know uh, Gen Z folks like to use. They're not going to get it. So it's all about who is our audience, who we're reaching out to, what's relevant and important to them. What are they trying to achieve? I'm talking more in the business sense now. Um, what are their objectives? What's their desired end state? What are the roadblocks that they typically struggle with on route to that desired end state? Um, who are their key stakeholders, who's affected by those roadblocks, what emotions are set off by those roadblocks, and then which of those roadblocks can we remove for them? And let's talk about if they don't remove those roadblocks, that one roadblock that we can remove, what what are the possible scenarios? Like what are the impacts of not solving that problem? Um, because this is all that relevance specific to their role and, and them wanting to get to a desired end state. If we – can be more show show that we really have a a good handle on their world uh and be subject matter experts and demonstrate that I can help you get there just a little bit faster based on uh based on the fact that what I do can help you remove this one little roadblock uh they're going to be more open to chatting with us um and, and of course it has to be done in a way that that obviously gets their attention pretty quickly
0: all right so let's break that down a little bit um if you today are using a sales engagement platform where all the email or social touches are automated. You just set it and forget it built on a template. And you're wondering, why am I not getting great conversion rate? It's because that approach is wrong because it literally does not do what John just told you to do. All right, so you need to make sure all your outreaches are personalized. That's number one. Uh, It was interesting. I shared the stat on stage in England. Uh, We did a survey about a year, year and a half ago of 2,000 B2B buyers, buyers, right? And we said, what do you value most? Product knowledge was number two. Competency in the, you know, knowing my life, my industry, number one. So you don't need to have all the the answers around your product, but you need to know me. And that's exactly what John was just saying. So you have to actually invest time to do that. You need a time block. You need to actually research the industry. You don't need to be an expert, but you need to be able to at least talk about their issues. The third thing what we see is when we talk about that, knowing their issues, You most reps default to the big picture stuff. Well, you got a big sales number to hit, don't you, Mr. Head of Sales or Mrs. Head of Sales or whatever? That's not what keeps them awake at night. They know that. They knew that when they took the job. That is totally not what keeps them awake at night. What keeps them awake at night, and John's talking about this, the stuff that that, that's personal that's happening to them right now, is I use the term recency. So the example I was giving to some people over in the UK, and they were talking about some qualifying questions up front, was I said, what in the last 72 hours, what have your reps done, one, two, or three things, that have bugged the living crap out of you? and they go oh my gosh they can't update salesforce.com they can't stick to the system and their discovery sucks okay that's their pain not the big picture items that the recency is emotional that's what you talk about right there so john love that and can can i add one
1: thing to that actually so yeah you can it's it's the most when i work with sales teams in short i'm getting them to write jokes that roast their prospects pain and I'll say to them, OK, guys, I want you to tell me uh, I like to facilitate their pre-work where I ask them these kind of questions. What problems do you solve? Who's affected by them? How does it prevent them from getting to their desired end state? And the most common answer to what's going to happen if they don't solve the problem is, oh, they're going to waste time and money or they'll, they won't be able to generate more revenue. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that is true. I don't want to call you a liar, but can, can we can we? get to those root causes of what's causing us to specific. waste time and money. Yeah. Like not not just more specific, can we get really, really granular? Because the more granular yeah. and subject matter expertise uh, you can show your buyer that you are, the more seriously they're going to take you, whether or not the, the email is even memorable. Um, the other thing I kind of want to highlight is the term personalization. I think everyone has a different idea of what it means. I think you you use it in a way that means something more to me, but some people feel that I have to go pawing through everyone's LinkedIn profile, like a nosy raccoon through someone's garbage to figure out like, Oh, you went to college here. And I think that's even dead, but just, Oh, I saw you were recently on this podcast and I, I listened to it and it was great. You know, there was this whole idea of stroking people's egos, which don't get me wrong. People have egos and they love to be stroked, but I don't know if I'm a busy executive, just cut to the chase on how you can like, why I should take the time to keep reading this email flattery. I, I'm curious to know if flattery works that well. Um, I don't use it, and maybe some people do. But in, in short, there's this whole idea of saying we got to make things hyper-personal and show this person we we know them, not not know their role, but know them as a person. I'm wondering if that – I always question if that's a good use of time. What, what do you think, Darrell?
0: Flattery does work for some people. I even talked about that on stage. It could be in a subject line of an email, like congratulations on your recent funding or congratulations on your promotion or congratulations on you know hiring more reps or what have you. Um, but I, I wouldn't use it for flattery per se to stroke their ego. I would use it just to trigger them and like, oh, they're they're, again, they're aware they, they know they've done some studying on me. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give this person a few more seconds of my time to see what they're all about, what they're asking. That's about it. Let me ask you, John, um, we're out of time. Uh, but if I wanted to, if I'm listening to this and I like everything you're saying and, By the way, folks, you should, because the stats show this is literally what your people want you to do. And the stats show from a behavior point of view what John's doing is literally what's going to help you get more conversations and build your pipeline up. And this is a skill, which is why you have to practice it, which is why comics tour the country and they practice their material until they get it great. And then they go national and they appear on The Tonight Show, which, by the way, don't read into this. John has never appeared on The Tonight Show. Um, Where should they go to connect with you, my friend?
1: They should go to two places. LinkedIn is really a great spot. J-O-N, S-E-L-I-G. There is an H in John, but it's both silent and invisible. If you didn't get that, you didn't get that joke, that means it's J-O-N. There is no H. Um or johnselig.com. And uh, if you go to that site, you'll you'll learn really how salespeople need to use the uh, the processes, skills, and methods of stand-up comedians. Uh, To better connect with their audience. Um, You you know, uh, really, really, if we look at stand ups and salespeople, they need to use the same approach to to, to better connect. And that's really what I help uh, show sales reps um, to do through the process of writing humor specifically for their prospects.
0: And I want to end on that in the sense of he made a really powerful point there, you know, processes. Comics, for the most (laughs) part, are not just funny all the time naturally there is a formula they follow the formula and they refine the formula that's why you need to work with people like john so you learn the formula with that we're out of time my first uh, episode back from the uk i had fun thank you john i look forward to uh, catching more of your comic routines uh but in the meantime folks uh, if you like today's show tell a friend or two and especially tell them because john's here and john's funny as hell my name is Daryl Prale. I talk to you guys too. Thank you, Daryl. Take care. Bye-bye.